A new immersive documentary experience takes us back 55 years, telling the story of the Apollo space program and how humans first reached the moon. It is called Moonwalkers, and it's narrated and co-written by Tom Hanks, who's a longtime space enthusiast, alongside the writer-director Christopher Riley. Here's a taste of the experience. In the 50,000 years of human history, just 12 of us have traveled from our Earth to walk on another celestial body. 40 seconds away from the Apollo 11 liftoff. Five, four, three, two, one. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Liftoff on Apollo 11. Now join me on a journey back to the moon in a remarkable immersive show at Lightroom. So just days ahead of today's opening to the public here in London, I asked them what inspired this project now. Tom Hanks, Chris Riley, welcome to the program. Good to see you. This is a quintessentially American story. So why is it debuting in London, space, and Apollo and Artemis? What made you think of London? Uh, this very facility that we are sitting in now in King's Cross is the most uh, it is the most unique immersive venue I've ever come across in my life. Where well, the first time we came here, we see an, an exhibit of David Hockney paintings. Now, I thought I was going to be seeing an exhibit of David Hockney paintings. I didn't realize I was going to be walking into one of his paintings as David himself was, was painting it all around you. Seeing that that was possible, uh, I immediately went to the, the powers that be, Richard Slade and everybody else said, you know, you could put people in the Taurus Littrow Valley where we are sitting right now on Apollo 17, and it would be as though we were sitting right on the moon. Have you guys thought about that? And they said, no, but would you like to think about it with us? And, and, and so here we are. The uniqueness of this space, I could not quite fathom the, uh, it's not virtual reality, Christian, Christian, it's reality. It's not a headset with earphones on. You are literally in a, in a 360, well, you don't have a roof on us, but below you and all around you is the environment that you want to create. And it just so happens to be the vacuum of, of space and, and uh, the sea of tranquility. And the two of you wrote this together. What, what did it take to write this? What were you trying to achieve? What was it about the moon, the story that's been told so many times? That's a good question. Why? What, well, yes. I mean, it's not entirely about the moon. The story is actually a story of hope, of course. It's about hope of humanity, of what we can do when we work together. Apollo really epitomizes that. It was the work of half a million people for a decade, all pulling together for one particular quest. And it was driven by curiosity in part. And when we are curious, we discover unexpected things. And that's essentially the message we wanted to try and convey in part, isn't it? Tom? You know, the interesting is why and why now? And I think that if you took the headlines of 1969 and the headlines of 2023, they actually match up in quite What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Synchronicity. Uh, uh, yes, and it's not great news. It's actually quite troublesome, and it's a very much sort of like defining of, of this era that we're in right now. And at the same time in 1968, and the same time in 2023, people were going to the moon. I mean, we do make a big deal about the Artemis missions that will be going back around the moon within the next year, which is an incredible step for humankind. For myself, when I was 13, the Apollo missions were this example of the, it, it was an evolutionary place in the consciousness of humankind because the only reason to go to the moon was because we're human beings and we desire 
to figure out what is on the other side of the hill. And that affected me very much then. And if we're human beings, do we not have to remain curious? And do we not have to strive in order to see what is on the other side of that hill? And do we not have to be stirred? Because you say correctly that this unbelievable 360 experience puts you in the moment. And the opening words we've heard, and you have the opening narration. Every human being who ever lived on the planet Earth looked up at the moon. And it's given us our seasons. It's given us our day, the length of our month. And we've been moved by it, you know, spiritually. How did you come up with, I mean, what's really curiosity, human, you know, connection to your opening statement? How did, how did that come out? If we are going to become interplanetary beings from Star Trek and all of the great wonderings of great science fiction, theoretical fiction now and in a lot of ways, we will be doing so based on what we learned as space-faring beings when we went to Apollo. There's only, there's only 12 human beings that have walked on the surface of another planet, only 12 of us, in the 50,000 years of human behavior. When we do it again, and we will, we will be doing it because these were the pathfinders who showed it it was possible in the first place. It's not just a matter of the technology, certainly that is, but it's also as a question, as you yourself said, it's wherewithal. Do we want to? And the answer is yes, we do. So then the how is, well, we already have kind of like a template of how. We just have to follow it through to whatever the next chapter is going to be. And Chris, you, I, I don't know whether you wrote the opening statement, but the idea of looking up and, and always seeing this moon and it is the repository of all our dreams and, and all our hopes. Yes, Tell me about that. The moon is a beacon, of course, and it's something we're all familiar with in our lives. It's always up there, ever-changing, you know, as well. And wherever you travel on Earth, it's different, to, different too. And it, in many ways, it's pulled us off the planet. So we dreamed about it, first of all, as Tom says. For centuries, we wrote about it. We invented gods up there, as Tom's words explain at the beginning. And it's tugged us off Earth, because without the moon, there was nowhere to reach to. Neil Armstrong, I think, I recall, saw it in the same way as the islands just off the coast of China that tugged us as a species into the Pacific. Because if you couldn't see something to reach that wasn't over the horizon, you wouldn't have had the courage to go. And that's what the moon symbolizes for us as well, I think. You, you saw the, when you were a kid, you watched on television and I watched on television, Neil Armstrong walk on the moon. And, and I guess that it's inspired you ever since because you've also played, you know, Jim Lovell yes, in yeah. Apollo 13. Hey, we've got a problem here. What did you do? Nothing, I stirred the tanks. Whoa. Hey. Uh, this is Houston. Uh, say again, please. Houston, we have a problem. Has that been something that stayed with you ever since then? Why did you choose the Apollo 13 film? Uh, I, I was, I, <laughs> first of all, uh, Apollo 13, Jim Lovell, Fred Hayes, Jack Wagner, they are Jason and the Argonauts. That, that is a story that is ripped right out of the great sagas of, of all of humankind. This is what it comes around. I, sitting at home, actually it was 1968 on Apollo 8, Jim Lovell was orbiting the moon with Fred Borman and uh, Bill Anders. And on my mother's couch, I saw a live broadcast of what? Oh, the planet Earth in black and white on my television in my mom's house over Christmas vacation. Something in my feeble little brain could not quite fathom that I was watching us on Earth 
from an orbiting spacecraft that was around the moon pointing a television camera back at us. And there were th the only three people that were not in that photograph were the crew of Apollo 8 or the crew that in that broadcast. There, there was, the, I had some sort of cranial plate shift, some sort of like sense of out-of-body experience, which I thought, we are magnificent human, we are magnificent creatures if we can make this happen. And uh, look, to be 12 years old and watch that on TV and have a spiritual, artistic, side, uh, enlight, moment of enlightenment, uh, that, that's, that's an impactful thing. I've carried it with me forever since, because I still quite f can't fathom that a guy named Jack Schmidt was walking around on the moon just like that and brought home some, some rocks for us to study. Would you ever go, I mean, obviously space travel is becoming more and more, you know, proletarian, if you uh, like, as long as go. you've got a billion right. dollars. As long as you've got a billion yeah. dollars and you're Elon Musk or something like that. Would you, would you want to well, go? There was a, I mean, uh, you'd go, right? Given well, the opportunity. We did kind of go, didn't we, Tom? Do you remember when we went to Houston to meet the answer? Yeah, no, no, crew. but I mean, really, would you get into oh, in the, in yes. the suborbital stuff that goes, and then I'd say, no, I think that would be a, a lo lovely roller coaster. But we just talked to the Artemis folks last night, and they are looking, they are hoping that Private, private enterprise will build rotating space stations around the Earth so you could go up and live in space as a, what is it, proletariat, for a, for a few days or maybe a couple of weeks. That would be intriguing, just to go up and come back down. I'll ride a roller coaster instead. It's also that. worth remembering, I think, that in the next two years, there's going to be 25 missions to the moon. I mean, that's way more than the worry of in the Between 60s. Between India and China yeah. and the United States and the Well, Europeans. that's what brings me to the next. You, you, you raise an interesting point, because India's done a biggie on the south side. China's done a biggie landing on the, on the, on the dark side. There is a fear in the United States at NASA that unless, and even a, you know, a SpaceX executive has said, unless we get our act together, whether it's Artemis or whoever next, we are going to be beaten by China, by India, by Russia, by whoever. Does that, do you think that that matters? Well, the thing about leaving Earth and exploring beyond Earth is that it has to be an endeavor that we do collectively. And so there's room up there. The moon is huge, as, as Tom says in the show, you know, the size combined of Brazil and the United States and Russia. There's a massive landmass. There's, there's room there for us all to explore. We really shouldn't be restricting it to one or two countries.